You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Before I start, we're, we're, we're looking at Luke. But um, I wasn't going to say this, but since we today, we've really been focusing on singing I Speak Jesus and what a wonderful name it is. For years, I didn't really get this thing about I thought, well, because people say, well, what's in a name, don't they? And I think that's what I thought. But do you know, of late, when I say the name of Jesus, something leaps in in me. And I think, wow, there's something in that name. And at the beginning of Luke, there's a lovely story where uh, Mary has been told that she's going to have a son and his name is going to be Jesus. And then uh, Elizabeth is going to have, is pregnant with John the Baptist, and um, she's, and then Mary comes to visit her, and it says when Mary came in, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumped, and I thought, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I feel when I say the name Jesus, because uh, right at the outset. Uh, Mary knew that that was going to be his name. And it's an amazing name because of all that is behind that name. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at something of what's behind that name. So we're doing a series looking at fixing our eyes on Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. So I've been asked to talk about how Jesus went about his father's business. Jesus was focused on doing what the Father asked him to do. In fact, he only did what the Father asked him to do. So I decided to approach this by thinking, well, what is it that Jesus did when he was only doing what the Father asked him to do? So I read through Luke at least three times, making notes about what Jesus did. Well, we know that Jesus told a lot of parables. He healed the sick, raised the dead, he did miracles. He did a lot of other things too. How did Jesus spend his time? And what can we learn in our lives about what Jesus did? I'm going to look at what Jesus actually did, and then I want us to explore and think about what we can learn. In doing this, I hope that we can achieve two things. One, we can appreciate Jesus more because as we see what he did. And secondly, we can be more like Jesus in what we do as a result. So as I went through, there were five things that seemed to come up again and again. So I'm just going to explore those five things. If you don't remember the five, it's okay. But Lord, I pray that he'll speak something wonderful because often, you hear a message, you don't remember who or who, but Lord, I pray that each one of you will receive in one thing, at least, and hold on to that, and it'll mean something to you, that you can be more like Jesus. The five things are, Jesus saw things that other people didn't see. Secondly, Jesus was always on the move. Thirdly, Jesus spent a lot of time with people. Fourthly, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
And fifthly, Jesus did some things every day and other things just once. They were always significant. But I found that interesting. Yes, Lord. There were some things he did every day, other things just once. So I'm going to do, I've got some pens and paper here. So I'm going to go through each one and then I'm going to ask you to write down an answer to the question I'm going to ask. So firstly, Jesus saw things that other people didn't see. I'm just going to, in chapter 14 of Luke, it says, when he noticed. Chapter 21, it says, as he looked up, Jesus saw. Later in chapter 21, it says, he also saw a poor widow. Remember that story? There were two people making a gift. There was this rich man, and there was the widow giving her last night, but he, he saw it. It was an ordinary thing, people making their alms, but he saw it with spiritual eyes. In chapter 21, it says, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, when you see it, well, that's appropriate for today, isn't it? But there's things going on behind what we see in front of our eyes, and Jesus saw those things. Chapter 21, 29, it says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. He encouraged them to look. Here's a fig tree, but what can you see behind it? Jesus was alert to the opportunities. He used, we need to use our spiritual eyes to see what God has made, to see what God wants to speak to you and me, and to see what you and I need to do. Lord, give us eyes to see. Jesus saw, he noticed things. I want to focus on just one instance in chapter 21 of Luke. The disciples see this temple and they, and what they see is this temple adorned with beautiful stones, it says. So they saw this temple and that's what they saw. Then Jesus, it says, then Jesus, but, but, Jesus said. Jesus saw something different. He didn't just see this temple with beautiful stones. He added the prophetic they just looked at the nice stones, but Jesus saw something significant about what was going to happen to the temple. He wants us to have spiritual eyes open to see the prophetic. We can be a bit dim at sometimes. Well, I speak for myself and just see what's in front of us. But God says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. God wants us to reach out for those things and to see behind what is there in front of us. Jesus saw things. You and I can do so too, by the Holy Spirit in us. So go into each day with the thought that we might see something behind, like the rainbow of Barbara, some things that are seeing behind. Jesus saw what other people didn't see, and we can do that as well. So could somebody... Um, hand out some pieces of paper and pens because I want us to be thinking thanks very much I want, I want us to be thinking can you think of a time when you saw something that other people didn't well Barbara's got one already but perhaps Barbara can think of another when you know God showed you something so I want you to just think about that I'm only going to give you a minute, uh, but, but just think. 
was there a time when I know God showed me something and other people couldn't see it, but he just showed it to me. And so just, just one thing, or maybe there's two things. How has God spoken to you in the past? And then if you get beyond that, how would you like God to speak to you to help you to see in the future? Jesus saw things, didn't he? I'm sure we could all think of lots of examples from the Gospels where people saw it one way and then he said, no, this is how it is. And his spirit is in us, so he can help us to see things as well. So can you think of one example when God showed you something that others didn't see? And how would you like God in the future to help you to see things? Don't worry, whatever you're writing down, I'm not going to, it's just yours. I'm not going to take them away and read them out or something. So you can just be quite honest, because this is just to help you to, to think about things. Lord Jesus, thank you. You saw things, and we want to ask you to be our helper to see the things that others don't see, so we can be a blessing to many. The second thing, Jesus was on the move. In chapter 2, it says, you went down to Nazareth with me. Chapter 4, he said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the desert. Chapter 5, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place. Chapter 7, he entered Capernaum. And then it says, he went on to a a town called Nain. Chapter 8, it says, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Jesus was on the move. Chapter 13, the Pharisees had enough of him, and they said, we don't want him here, we want to go somewhere else. But he said, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day. He knew he needed to be on the move. Chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was just passing through. I I like that. He said he was just passing through. Do you know what happened in Jericho? He met Zacchaeus and that's an amazing thing he did for Zacchaeus. It was nice touch and he came. So it may be a moment in your life of just passing through that Jesus brought that up. So when you're on the move, it can only be, doesn't need to be for long for us to impact people. Are you on the move? I'm not just talking about moving about physically, going from place to place. I'm talking about just being alive to God, being ready to be on the move, not getting stuck. Jesus wants you to be on the move doesn't matter if you're young or old. Jesus is on the move. He wants us to be on the move. Are we ready to step this way or that way? Because the Holy Spirit is giving us a holy nudge. And this applies to small things as well as big things in our lives. Jesus is on the move. The good news is he takes us with him. Jesus himself calls us to go. I'm just going to look at Luke 19, 29. It says, As Jesus approached Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go. Jesus is approaching the Mount of Olives, and he sends two out, even ahead of them, and command to go. Jesus is on the move, and he takes us with him. In business, they say that if you're standing still, you're going backwards. 
And I think that's true spiritually, isn't it? That God does, if we're standing still and going backwards, God wants us to be reaching out because he's alive. His spirit is in us. He wants us to be on the move. What is your go? You've got your pens and papers. God wants us to be on the move. Jesus was always on the move. What is your go? How might God be calling you to move? And I don't necessarily mean to another county or another place. I just mean, what is it that God is wanting you to do? Perhaps it's a step of faith, something outside your comfort zone. Doing what God has given, might be giving you to do. So that's your question. You might write down an answer. How do you think God might be calling you to move? What does God want us to do? Because he doesn't want us to stay still. He's got more for us. He wants us to be on the move. How might God be leading you? Number three, Jesus spent time with people. Chapter 7, it says his heart went out to her. That was to the widow whose son had died. Chapter 8, it says, one day Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. We've already seen that take Jesus took people with him. That's an example. And here's another in chapter 9. Jesus took Peter, John and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. Chapter 10 we all know that Jesus chose, chose seven disciples, sorry, 12 disciples. Did you know that he appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go? That's a lot of organisation. But he worked with people. Chapter 18, it says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them. Chapter 22, it says, he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before, before he went to the cross. At his moment of extremity, Jesus wanted to have fellowship. Eagerly desire is very strong. Do we eagerly desire to have fellowship with others? How much time do we spend with people? The scripture says, you've heard me quote it some of you, I know, just really with me, uh, exhort one another daily. There is a scripture that says that, believe me, I can't remember where it is, might be Hebrews. Exhort one another daily. Meeting Christians once a week on a Sunday, it's not enough for me. Is it enough for you? Find a way to connect with other saints in the week. Jesus was connecting with people all the time, taking them with him. Jesus wants us to be enjoying fellowship. Jesus had a heart for people. There's one more passage on this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share in Luke 10, 21 to 22. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, that is very strong. It says, the Greek apparently means thrilled with joy. Did you know that Jesus was thrilled with joy? His exceptional rejoicing and exaltation. He rejoiced strongly and deeply. You can never guess what he was so thrilled about quite surprising. What he was really thrilled with joy about was, and he says it, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've 
hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So you may be ordinary, I may be ordinary, but I'm one of the ones that God shows his secrets to. And that gets Jesus, there aren't too many instances of Jesus being joyful. It says, for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross. So he did have joy, but this is what made him happy, that ordinary people like you and me could receive the secrets of God. We're in the days where every Christian will know him. Every Christian can know God's secrets. Jesus was full of joy that God's secrets had been revealed to ordinary people like you and me. If Jesus is excited about that, shouldn't we be? Let's be excited to come to the word of God, to come to him in prayer, to discover the secrets he wants to impart to you and me today. And being, spending time with people is, is part of that, I think. We have the secrets of God to give to others. Got your pens and papers? Here's a question. Think of ways in which you might spend more time with people through the week. How to have more fellowship. How to take opportunities to witness and to be salt and light to non-Christians. Are there ways, are we spending enough time with people? Jesus spent a lot of time with people. He took them with him. We have the secrets God reveals to us. Jesus is thrilled when he sees that you are receiving secrets of God. He's given them even to you and me. How do we impart those secrets? How do we find time to be with people? Is there one way you could think of spend more time with people this week. And fourthly, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This is very interesting. It's just there all the way through Luke. If you don't believe me, here we go. Chapter 2, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. I, I mean, this is a funny story. Even as a boy, he wanted to be in Jerusalem. Remember, his parents took him to Jerusalem. And they went home, and then they realized he wasn't there because he said he was about his father's business, teaching and learning as a boy. Chapter 9, it says, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Chapter 13, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Let's, let's celebrate. Chapter 13, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day to Jerusalem. Chapter 18, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything written about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He knew that Jerusalem was key because that was where he would perform an act of sacrifice which would change the course of history. That was the Father's will for him. He knew that. He kept his eye on that. Chapter 19 said he was near Jerusalem. Chapter 19 later it says, after Jesus said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Chapter 1941, it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Today, he and we still weep over Jerusalem. We're going to pray in a minute. Julie, over here, asked me if we could pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, and so I'll do that in a moment. But 
Jesus was focused. He knew, he, he did a lot of things, but he knew what the main thing was. Are you and I focused on the prize? Jesus was. He set his face towards Jerusalem because he knew that was God's main call, the Father's main call for him, for his life. And so that's why Luke, he keeps mentioning it. Yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, but I'm going towards Jerusalem because <laughs> I know that's the main thing I'm going to do. Are we set on the main thing for our lives? Do we know what it is? Or are we distracted by sideshows? Even doing good things can steer us away from the prize. So perhaps we'll just pause, because Jerusalem is very much in our minds with the uh, what's happening in the Middle East. And Jesus, Julie has especially asked me to pray. So Lord, we thank you uh, that Jerusalem was an important factor in your life, Lord Jesus. And you knew that was where you were going to perform that amazing act of sacrifice to die for our sins. And we thank you. And one day you'll come again to Jerusalem. And here we are, all us here and all over the world, thinking about that part of the world, Lord Jerusalem, and uh, the tragedies that are going on and the hatred. And Lord, we, we it says you wept over Jerusalem. And we want to say there's something in us that's weeping as we uh, think of the Jewish people and Palestinians going through such agonies at this time. Lord, we cry to you. Oh, Lord, bring your grace to the people in that land. We pray for your name's sake. Amen. I just want to say one more thing about Jesus' focus on going for the one thing he knew was this main thing in his life. And that was in, in 962, Luke 962, it says, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit. Isn't that interesting? Jesus put his hand to the plough. He wasn't afraid of hard work, uh, but he didn't look back. He was always looking forward because he knew Jerusalem was where he was going to go. Are we doing that? Are we ready to go to the plough? Are we willing and ready to do kingdom work? Jesus had his eyes on the prize. Do we? Okay, you've got your pens and papers. What would you say is your number one calling? Jesus knew, knew what his number one outcome, his calling was, isn't he? To go to Jerusalem, to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Do you know, what would you say is your first calling? What's the things that you need to keep your eyes on? your Jerusalem, so to speak, your prize. I mean, I think for most of us, perhaps we go through phases and uh, maybe you'd like to ask the question, at this point in your life, what is the prize? What's the most important thing that you believe Father wants you to be doing? What's your priority from God? What's the one thing? Lastly, this is exciting. Jesus did certain things every day and then others just once. And I'm just going to look at a couple of verses, chapter 19 and 20. It says, every day he was teaching 
at the temple. I see. Every day. And then a few verses later in chapter 20, verse 1, it says, one day as he was teaching. And I thought, this is interesting. There are certain things we should be doing every day as we live with God. What are those things? And then there are certain things which are for just one day. So, for example, in the next chapter in Luke 21, 37, it says, every day, here we go again, Jesus was teaching at the temple, and every evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives, and all the people came to hear him, or teaching. So night and day, he was teaching. Jesus knew that he should be teaching every day. That was his main calling until he died on the cross uh, to be our saviour. So while he was alive, teaching, that was the thing he should be doing every day. But he also discovered God's, the Father's, call to him for today. This is how we should live. Every day, some things, but one day, there's a unique and surprise event that God has for us each day. Lord, can we say, Lord, I know that this is what I'm to be doing for you every day. For Jesus, it was teaching. What is your call for every day? And then how do you approach today? For Jesus, it could be a life-changing encounter. For example, one day, there was a day when he met Zacchaeus. And there was a day, and another day, when he met Lazarus. We know Lazarus, he, rose him from, he raised him from the dead. Those were glorious one-offs. Never to be repeated encounters. But wow, those were some encounters, weren't they? What happened with Zacchaeus and Lazarus and all the others. So do we have our eyes open to today, praying for that for us and through us, we can make today to be a life-changing day for a person that we meet? Got your pens ready? So what, are, what would you say are the everyday things? What are the things would you say, yeah, that I really should be doing that every day? Like praying, for example. Probably something we should be doing every day, at least once, because God wants to have fellowship with us and us to have fellowship with him. Are there some things, actually, I know at the minute. I mean, there are some truisms, aren't there? It's good to read the Bible and to hear God's voice every day. Give us this day our daily bread, the Lord's Prayer says, which suggests that God wants us to be hearing from him every day. Give us this day our daily bread. That's not just about bread and cheese. It's about hearing his voice, the spiritual word of God that wants to speak to us. So that's probably every day. Are there some things, well, you know, that's, that's priority for me. For Jesus, it was teaching may not be for us, but there probably is something that we should be doing every day. And then what about the, the one-offs? Is there something you would aspire to? Perhaps it's just, we're just going to write down a prayer, Lord, I want to make a difference, and I want to have those one-off encounters with people that are just for today, but will mean something to somebody.
so that's the end of my message. So just to go over it, let's just take one thing away. Maybe there's one thing. Five things that I felt we can learn, we can appreciate Jesus for, and that we can learn because that's how Jesus would like us to be. One, Jesus saw things that others didn't. And so can you, because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Number two, Jesus was always on the move. So let's not be those that stand still and therefore go backwards. Let's be on the move and ready. Yes, Lord, here I am today. I want to walk with you. I want to be on the move. Number three, Jesus spent time with people. It was important to him to have fellowship with people and to connect with people and to take people with him or push them up, up ahead of him. He was thrilled to his core knowing that God reveals his secrets to people like you and me. Are we excited by that? That we can receive the secrets of God. Fourthly, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Do you know what is your main calling? And is there a sort of persevering, single-mindedness? Yes, Lord. This is what I should be doing, and I'm going to keep going with that, even if it's hard. And it was hard for Jesus, wasn't it? And fifthly, Jesus did certain things every day, and other things just once. But they were both great, weren't they? Do we know what we should be doing every day? And are we ready for God's surprises today? Should we pray? Lord, we thank you for the name of Jesus. What a name. It means Saviour. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we are singing. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Yes, Lord, we are thrilled with that wonderful name. And our hearts dance when we think of it and know your name, Jesus, because of all that you are and all that's behind that name. What a name. And we want to enjoy you ever more. For the days you have given us, we want to go on enjoying that name and living in the power of that name. And we ask that you would be our helper to be more like Jesus and to... Uh, love what the Father asks us to do because thank you Lord Jesus you really did what the Father asked you to do and so Lord we thank you Father you have things for each one of us to do and we want to walk in them and to be faithful in your calling in our lives thank you Lord we thank you for this wonderful name of Jesus Amen